0: And welcome to the EDH RETCAST. My name is Joey Schultz, and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts. Up first, he doesn't buy expensive counter spells. He just buys over-the-counter spells. It's Matt Morgan. So,
1: Joey, I got a massage this past weekend, and I don't know, I think I may not have to go back to that place anymore, because something about the masseuse, they just they rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs>
0: Your wordplay is unparalleled, Matthew. Goodness gracious! Oh, I, <laughs> so, oh, no, no I, sorry to to clear
1: up the confusion. The massage was fine. It's just they they bugged me a little bit. <laughs> yes, I get it. Your voice, you was, are, their voice was not very soothing.
0: <laughs> are, I, I, I love that it is your mission every every episode to just bamboozle me completely, and and you succeed every time. It's, it's absolutely fantastic.
1: Man. Uh, I could not know what you're referring to at all.
0: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Up next, he puts the arty in arty fact. It is Dana Roach. Um, Hey, Jay, what do you call an old snowman? Uh, Dana Roach? Uh, Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure. A a puddle.
2: Oh, oh, oh. Was your sense of humor uh, too dry for that joke?
0: Dana. Dana. <laughs> there it is. There it gotcha. is. Gotcha. <laughs> Got Matt, Matt is Matt is so proud right now. I can I, am. I can hear Matt smiling. Oh, goodness gracious. Anyway, this is the EDH Rec cast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Dana, what is it that we're talking about in
2: this week's episode? Uh, our most unique decks, which is kind of a, a revisit of a previous show called Decks versus the Data.
0: Yeah, these were uh, some fun topics that we used to do Decks versus the Data where we could like compare the decks that we play against the individual deck data that we saw on that commander's EDH rec page. And so that was really fun. We would compare some of our old stuff like my Marin deck, for example, and Matt, I'm pretty sure that you compared your Miri deck and old things like that. But we kind of wanted to go back to that because it's been really a long time since we actually did that as a subject. And we wanted to just compare a whole bunch of our decks to see which of our decks is the most unique and which of our decks is the most mainstream. Dana, we'll see if you, Mr. Hipster Builder, have any mainstream Decks in your arsenal who knows what might happen it should be pretty fun real quick before we get to that episode let's pause and give a huge thank you to the folks at the command zone they handle all of the post-production work on our podcast making it look as spiffy as it does and of course we
2: want to thank our show's sponsors too the EDH RecCast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player, the only two online retailers you want to be standing next to you when you look up and see mistletoe. <laughs> Just head over to EDH Rec and go to the card in question, click on the vendor link down below, and doing so supports both the site and the show.
1: And if you would prefer to support the show directly and help Dana buy that mistletoe to be caught underneath, <laughs> you can do so over at patreon.com slash EDH RecCast. We have patron tiers of all levels where they want to join the Discord community that we have going. On, or you want to get the episodes a day early? We do have a special tier for that. You can do all of that and more. Just get perks for yourself just by supporting the show over at Patreon.com/slash/EDHRecast, and we even have that notorious special awesome tier where we shout somebody out just for showing up just for supporting us and so this week We do want to give a huge shout out to Dane Geode the rager Um, (laughs) It was one of my favorite creatures So Dane Geode, uh, thank you so much for your support. Your creature is uh, quite the goad as it will so the geode the the geode that can goad I, I messed that one up, but we still appreciate your support, Dane.
0: Yeah, I like it. No, it's not just the goad. Dane, you are the goat. You are the greatest of all time. Thank you so much. That's a, that, I love it. The Geode Rager. You're right, Matt. Geode Rager is a really, really cool card. So good. So good. Uh, we, mu- we might even see it later on in this episode because I know that you play it and I also like to play it. So who knows? Let's find out. Let's get right to our main topic. We are again talking about our most unique decks. And what we did here was compare our decks, the lists that we've got, and just compare their lists directly against the average deck list for those commanders as compiled by the data on EDH Rec for those commanders just looking through their commander pages. The average deck feature is a really cool starting point for a whole bunch of players to be able to just get a quick list if building a 100-card deck can be a little intimidating for folks. That is just a great way to get a good snapshot of where a commander is at, and it gives you a sense of how a lot of players tend to be building that commander. And then, you know, from there, we tend to personalize things a whole lot, and we wanted to see just how personalized we have made our decks because, I mean, that's one of the fun things about Commander for sure is building and tuning and discovering the things that you enjoy the just absolutely the most. There is a quick shout out that we want to do here as well for the site Moxfield, which we use to help along with this episode because they Moxfield is this just great deck building website that has this comparison feature where you can compare any two deck lists. So Moxfield, you're a great deck building website and we just wanted to say thank you so much for having that feature that we could use to help make this episode possible because it's a cool place to go and research up your decks and put them all online and stuff.
1: Yeah, it, it turns out when you give very, very smart people the abilities to program websites (laughs) they come up with some very cool websites and that's exactly what moxfield is um if you want to ever shout, you can go over to patreon.com slash join the uh, the Discord community. And Harry from Moxfield, he is over there and he'll answer questions. Um, just a great team over there. Um, we really mm-hmm. appreciate their help with this episode.
0: Yeah, it, it's so cool to see all of those deck building websites that have like new innovations that they're coming up with. And mm-hmm. Moxfield is certainly doing that. Uh, Dana, I know that you and I are really a big fan of the Architect deck building website, um, which we have really enjoyed. And again, just great people there too. But Matt, Moxfield is the deck building website that you use to log all of your decks and that you're just a huge fan of it too so i mean kudos on that part as well
1: yeah big big fan of just how everything's organized being able to add cards um i know everybody has their own uh, their their own deck building site but moxfield is just ooh, that's that's chef's kiss right there
0: yeah, it's good people, good site, good feature, and that feature helped us create this episode. Let's get to it now. We are talking about our most unique stuff, and I think actually what we should probably do is start off with our most mainstream deck and then like move up to our more unique decks over the course of the episode. So Dana, how about we start with you? You, of the three of us, tend to be more hipster with your builds. Do you have any decks that share a lot in common with the average deck build for that commander? Are there any commanders that you build that have a little bit less detail? Deviation than usual. Uh, to start us off, what is your least unique deck?
2: So, so the one I would have guessed that was the the least unique is in fact the the least unique, um, and that's my Edric's spymaster Master of Trest deck. Mm. It is a very old deck and plays very traditionally compared to most other Edric decks, where it's running a bunch of flying men type small evasive bodies that are trying to draw me as many cards as possible, so I can go down and hit. Things like extra turn spells to do it again or eventually hit cards that let me just kill everyone with all those small evasive bodies. Um, It's also a deck I don't play very often. I I think (laughs) I haven't played it since maybe Vegas in 2019. So it's been literally several years since I've actually played the deck. Although I do keep updating it. Um, but it's like probably my closest to a CEDH deck, so I just don't play it unless I'm in that environment. I just don't play in that kind of environment very often.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So if that one is the closest to the typical build for Edric, how, how close is it? How many cards do you have in common with the typical Edric uh, average build? How, what, what is the overlap that you've got going on there?
2: Uh, 58 shared cards and 42 unique cards. That's your most unique. I
0: think that's really interesting. Uh, excuse me. That's your, your most mainstream. And it's still that's a pretty big separation, like right off of the bat. If that's where we're starting at <laughs> is to like only two thirds, less than two thirds of the deck is actually in common. That's still not that much. Like that's that's still a big deviation, I think.
2: The big deviation is probably that the traditionalist tends to run more mana dorks because the, it's trying to get mm. Edric out in turn two so I can pop off as soon as possible. Um, Because of the way I brew, even that deck, I'm still building with some kind of real weird rule set. So, I'm only using evasive creatures, so I don't have any mana dorks in there. That's probably Mm. the primary deviation is the 30-some creatures in the deck are all the flying men-esque creature type. I'm not running any of the the um, mana dorks try to speed things out i mean it's still a very fast deck but i'm not going for like the you know the turn four win necessarily like you would see in the in the most efficient version of the list
0: all right. I do see that you are playing still stuff like the Beastmaster Ascension, which is common in the average list, or Biomass Mutation appears to be another one that is in both your list and in the average deck. But you don't appear to be using some of the other common cards that can show up there, like Alrin's Epiphany or Part the Water Veil, for example.
2: So I think one of the difference with the extra turn spells in this Edric deck is I was lucky enough to get things like Capture of Zhao and a Temporal Manipulation relatively early on when they were pretty inexpensive. So they are more efficient only five mana to a cast, and I, I think some people are, are running newer extra turn spells that maybe aren't as efficient, but are much cheaper to buy. So I think that's also a difference here. Mm. I just was lucky enough to get access to some older cards.
1: Well, Dana, I do see that there are some, some unique cards there that I'm actually kind of surprised aren't showing up more. Um, one of my favorites from Modern, um, Scale Up, is one that you are including, and that card is always just such a fun card to be to be dropping, but also like <laughs> Try of the Hordes. So you're just playing some very very fine overrun type of effects, um, so it's yes, yeah, it's, it's nice seeing some some deviation. Just instead of doing the extra turns and you know paper cutting people to death, you're just <laughs> overrunning people to death.
2: Yeah, I, I mean <laughs> the, the you know it's a deck that you play at a power level where I just wouldn't feel bad about using Triumph of the Hordes to kill somebody. That's <laughs> how the deck is supposed to run. Um, it runs more tutors than I would traditionally run in a deck, so there's things even relatively obscure ones like long-term plans uh-huh. that puts a card, three cards down when you tutor it up. But in a deck where if I'm swinging, I'm drawing, you know, five or six or eight cards sometimes, that's kind of irrelevant. It, it, whether it's three down or five down or on the very top, I'm still drawing it. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter at all. Um, and another one is Abjur, a card that I run in my Talran deck that I started running here. Just because the ability to cast efficient counterspells to protect your stuff is really, really useful. And I just tend to have so many bodies in play that I can afford to sacrifice, you know, a wing crafter or something to cast that one mana counterspell.
0: One mana counterspell, you have to sacrifice a creature, but you counter the, like, that's a, yeah. I, I, Dana, I'm just happy that you are finding ways to sacrifice creatures, even when you're not playing aristocrat <laughs> exactly. strategy. Exactly. I, I, I commend this. Just for that's you, really Joey. cool. Well, yeah, and I think that this is an interesting place to start is that with your most mainstream deck, we saw there that there's still a big difference. And that is immediately going to be the case for all of us. And for every player out there is that, you know, the average is a compilation of a bunch of different things altogether. But we all have our own personal flair that comes in. And we're going to see that more and more evidently throughout the course of this episode. So I, I just think it's, you know, really cool to see how even when we have a whole lot of stuff going on in common with the deck, there's still a whole lot of stuff that is a lot more personalized. Matt, how about we take it to you? What is one of your decks that has the most in common with what's going on in the average and how do you feel about it and what's most unique about the deck that's going on for you? Well, my most
1: uh mainstream or or in line with the uh the EDHrex data I actually was hoping would be a little bit of a departure, but turns out uh, people have the same idea. Um, that's my AC Tyrant of Gyre Straits deck. Um, so it turns oh, out sure. um, just Simic, just similar Simic is what the uh, theme of the episode is so far. <laughs> um, so that that deck has 36 unique cards away from the, uh, the pre-con, which is a lot of what um, is influence, influencing the EDH rec stats. Um, so I still have cards like Growth Spiral and Nezahal and some, some big crazy creatures. Um, but it's I, I thought making sea sea creature tribal into that deck would have helped a little bit, but it turns out not so much.
0: Yeah, and so actually to clarify there real quick, you said away from the precon, but I think you mean away from the average deck data because the average deck data isn't quite the same as the precon. There have been upgrades that players have made yeah. there too. I mean, and so
1: yeah, there there are some upgrades that are just. They they were released around the same time in a standard set, so they were very easy to get. Um Azusa Lost but Seeking Seeking's one of those. Uh it's just mm. such a powerful card in a landfall deck. And when you know the, the AC pre-con was printed, um Azusa was like six dollars. And compared to the $40 that it was a few years ago, like that was just an easy snap up, um, grab a couple for extra decks because like that's just a card that I think almost evergreen deck wants not just AC. <laughs>
0: yeah, so that shows up in the average deck and it of course shows up in yours as well. Are there any cards that the AC data is showing that you aren't using though? Um, some of
1: the cards that I actually do want to find room for, um, like Koma, Cosmos, Serpent, uh, it's the big, uh, just big beefy serpent sea creature thing from Call Time. Um, I really want to get a copy of that. Um, it got really expensive because it was playing, being played in Standard a little bit, um, so I didn't grab a copy. But now that's kind of gone down a little bit. I might snag one of those. Augur um, of Autumn is one that I'm kind of curious about. Um, mm. It's it's kind of like a Course of crufix type of effect, but you know if you you can um, be playing creatures as well. Um, and exploration. I just the card doesn't have any trouble coming out of the gates. Um, There are so many other just cheap enablers that like exploration is kind of a, it's good in the very early turns, but as the game wanes on, um, it's not as good. So I took out a few of those types of cards um, just because exploration, just being able to play an extra land drop on like turns one through four, yeah, can be very, very impactful. But like if you don't draw it on turn one, it's not really that good. And I'm not a big fan of those types of cards. So exploration uh, has not made it into my deck. plus, I don't have an extra copy and it's not a cheap card anymore.
0: So that's what uh, I, yeah that's what I was thinking is like going out of too, your yes. way yeah. to get it. multiple it, factors especially-
1: working against exploration.
0: Yeah, especially because you specifically said you're trying to keep it secret Creature tribal and to go too far down the landfall, extra land drop stuff is going to distract you from what you wanted to do. Yep. So it does seem like, yeah, trying to resist the pull of some of the, the stuff going on there. How about unique stuff? What are some of the unique cards that you're playing that don't show up in the average data for AC?
1: Um, well, Regal Behemoth, if you're playing like an average CMC of like anywhere about like three and a half plus... Regal Behemoth is just such a powerful card because it lets you generate so much mana. Um, I'm not in Selesnya colors in this deck for once. Um, <laughs> so I can't be playing cards like um, Mirari's Wake or any mana doublers like that. Um, so Regal Behemoth is just one that like it's a big creature that doubles my mana. I like introducing Monarch into a lot of games. So Regal Behemoth just that made sense. I love that card. Um, Elder Fiend is just a great way kind of make a defensive tool. It's a big sea creature. Um, a lot of people cut it because I believe it was in the pre-constructed deck. Um, but mm. I really like it. It's an instant speed um, blocker. You can cast it for fairly cheap and then tap down some of the biggest creatures. So like if your buddy has a Martin Stromgald coming at you, like you can tap him down, get rid of his team. <laughs> it's just a bu- like there's a lot of uses for that type of card. Um, so I really like it. It's from type Leviathan. like sometimes you just need a very big moat. Um, and Stormtide Leviathan fills that moat very quickly.
0: Uh, Matt, I love that you bring up the Martin Stromgold thing, which I have a Martin Stromgold deck. Both so of, it, both it, of
1: you have Martin Stromgold.
0: Oh, and, and that's just it. Me. I know that you're not actually referring to me. You're actually referring to Dana from our last <laughs> time that we played on twitch.tv slash slash EDHreckast because Dana true. had a very impressive all of the sudden Martin Stromgold for lethal um, because Martin Stromgold is so much fun. Um, so I, I love the, the the slyness that you were doing because it wasn't even wasn't my even Martin. It, Dana it, it, gets I all was, the
1: credit I was there. Get, I was getting at both of you with that comment. Yes.
2: <laughs> well, how about you, Joey? Let's let's jump over and look at one of your decks here that that probably has the. Um, least amount of unique cards, which one would that be for you? Yeah, Um. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a surprise.
0: Um. I, I kind of suspected that this might be the case when I we were starting to pull, doing some comparisons, and I was just like, you know, I finally have a tribal deck. I finally have zombie tribal. And tribal decks do tend to have a lot of the stuff in common. They tend to use a lot of the same cards. So I would bet that my will health the Rot Cleaver deck is my most uh, in line with all of the other Wilhelm decks. And uh, yeah, that's absolutely the case. I have 70 cards in common with the average deck data for Willhelt, and only 30 cards that you are unique. I say only there, like I still think that 30 is a perfectly like good number. Um, there's still a lot of personality that you can put into a deck that has like a full third of it is unique. But at the same time, you know, I'm using all of those same things like the new Necro Duality to double my zombies or the new Headless Rider or a whole bunch of those Zombie lords, because those are just so, so, so much fun. So, tribal strategies, I do tend to have a lot in common because, you know, that's how you do it. But even then, it doesn't feel like the deck is building itself to me because there's so much that you can do with zombies and they'll still eat up everyone and it's still so much fun to do it.
2: Well, I would dare say that the fact that the commander is relatively new makes a difference too. Um, People just haven't had, you know, months and even years in some cases to like, tweak those individual screws in the deck and find different ways they want to build it. Everyone mm. kind of just threw a bunch of zombies in to start with for the most part and are playing their deck. So, th- this is the kind of thing that, I, that it wouldn't surprise me if revisited down the road, that uniqueness score went up a little bit as both you and other people with will held decks have had time to make those kind of personalized changes.
0: Yeah, I could totally see that. Although the opposite could be true, that a tribal deck is easier to, quote, solve sure. or something, and like you do find the best zombies over time. I But I, I prefer to believe in the universe where you your your prediction there is, is more correct, because I think it's true that like over time you get to find the stuff that you think is the most fun with it. Um, And like right off of the bat, I'll note that there are a bunch of cards that are going to be very popular for Will Health that I'm choosing not to use, specifically infinite combo stuff. You know, zombies are really famous for having combos with the card Grave crawler that can repeatedly cast itself out of the graveyard and I didn't want to do any of those uh, they usually go with the card rooftop storm which makes all of your zombies free and that is a great enchantment that I am using because oh my god free zombies heck yeah but that can also then combo with cards like a Sarah rack which you can immediately just infinitely cast from your hand for free because of the rooftop storm and that also makes you go infinite just entering the dungeon a bazillion times with the Sarah racks ability and those combos I was just like eh, I'm, I'm not really into that I want to use the rooftop storm but i'm not going to go in the combo direction so right off the bat i already knew that there was a way that i could make it a bit different than the average
2: yeah i, I was i was kind of surprised at the gravecrawler considering just what a powerful card that is in general that's actually a really good point <laughs> it, it's a powerful card in general in part because you can almost always use it abusively, so that does make sense.
1: Well, and one thing that, Joey, I see that you are running that I'm very excited to see is New Scraft Mob. Yeah. Uh, that's a card, like, I've I've found a spot for in, like, so many decks, but it's always been, like, the 102nd card. Yeah. And just never makes it. So, I I love that you're playing that because it's, when you find the right deck for it, that card is so exciting to play with.
0: Yes! Six mana uh, enters with a bunch of counters on it, and then when people play spells, it loses the counters, but makes more zombies. And Will Health is like, zombies? Did you say zombies? Do those zombies have decayed no they don't seem to so then when i make all of these zombie tokens and if they die then i'll get even more zombies and the newscraft mob itself will like lose its last counter and then die and become a decayed zombie and i'm just like i absolutely love that thing that is one of my favorite things to to play that oh, i i hope to see more merging of that in the future more will help players should play that card it's awesome um another one that i'm absolutely loving that uh, not showing up in the will help data yet is the card species specialist which lets you name a creature type and then when creatures of that type die, you get to draw the cards for that. And it's not in Wilhelm's deck data yet. It's not in the average deck right now, but man, I draw so many cards with all of my dying zombies off of that thing. So more, more of y'all should play that card too. Like there's there's really fun stuff to do here. I love this deck so much. Can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you seem very excited.
1: Yeah, you're you're not enthusiastic about this at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Another one that I'll shout out that isn't showing up in the average deck data for Health yet either is Death Tyrant, which is one of the beholders from, I think, the AFR Precons. And it says whenever one of your attacking creatures dies you make a zombie token that includes the decayed zombies this is an interaction that i think is well known but isn't popular yet in will health's data so that is another really great one because you can attack with your decayed zombies they'll die during the combat step technically so then death time will make you more regular zombies that can die and become decayed zombies which will then attack and then die and make more zombies and do you see how i get so excited about all of the zombies
1: Yeah, play, playing against that deck like some of the loops that you're able to set up. Maybe not infinite loops, but the value loops are pretty intimidating to play against. And it like you haven't put like a bunch of money into it. It's not like you're putting in, you know, all the these like absolute bangers. It's like okay, this is a bunch of like $2 cards that just work really well together.
0: Mhm. Let's move on from that. I mean, I could talk about Will forever, but we probably <laughs> shouldn't. That is I think my most mainstream, but Dana, let's head back to you. What is another deck that is a a bit I don't know. Let's go just up the chain, and what is another commander of yours, and where is it fitting along with how unique it's going?
2: Um, Yeah. So, so what I will jump into um, is my Reki history of Kamigawa deck. Um, This is the one where I've kind of turned the corner here, and I'm at more unique cards than I am shared cards. Reki is at 48 shared cards and 52 unique cards. Um, Mm. That said, there aren't that many Reki decks out there anyway for it to compare it to. It's (laughs) not that popular of a commander, but um, it's also one, you know, just by nature of how Reki is worded, you are very strongly encouraged to play a bunch of uh, legendary creatures, legendary spells. And there's Mm -hmm. just only so many legendary creatures in mono green. So the the card pool that people will be running in a Reki deck is fairly limited. So I guess I'm not at all surprised that there are... Um, th- th- there's, you know, so few unique cards, but yeah, even given that, I still manage to have more unique ones than I do shared cards.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is certainly true. So, you know, you've got the typical stuff like Galta is a great legend to play there. Oath of Nissa is a legendary enchantment for one mana, so you'll love to see that. Are there any legends that you're specifically not using for Rekki?
2: Um, you know, there's, there's quite a few that kind of... Uh, um, Sirak the Hunt Caller is one that I ran for a long time and I do see it show up on a lot of people's lists. Um, Arasta of the Endless Web is one that's a very good card in this kind of deck. Um, but I just found that the tokens it made weren't that useful based on the, the way the deck tended to play for me. Um, I tended to play it kind of like a storm deck a little bit where I would just hit this critical mass in one big turn where I would be able to just kill everyone Oof. and... Unless Arasta was out for multiple turns ahead of time, it just wasn't that effective. So I think one of the reasons that there's quite a bit of of non-overlap in this deck is is of the way I play it, where I am playing it as kind of a storm deck where my plan is to kill everyone simultaneously on one one huge overrun style turn.
0: So then, Dana, in that case, that begs the question, what are some of the more unique cards that you are using that have personalized your Rekki deck to help you do those great big turns?
2: Well, in the first one that comes to mind is a Chroma's Memorial. Um, you know, it not only does it draw me a card by being a, a legendary spell. Oh, wow. Um, it's just one of the few ways I can give my whole team haste in Mono Green. Um, the other one, we can court and Crossroads. Um, so like that's a very important spell to hit off that big Genesis wave or that big kind of Kamal Vow. So all the things I put into play in that one big, huge turn are able to then immediately swing out at somebody. Um, And in the case of a Chroma Memorial, it also gives them flying. (laughs) So um, there's evasion baked in there as well as protection from multiple colors. Um, It's just a really good finisher in that particular deck. Sweet
0: deal. I I feel like that Rikki deck also is just like
2: even if you have
0: you know a greater amount of uh, you've got some overlap going on there this isn't your most unique deck it it is also still kind of because there's only like 100 recchi decks out there yes like there is like overlap but it's still like you're still getting the hipster cred you know
2: (laughs) sure and, and this is probably a deck like i've had this deck for a long time now i have played it a lot and tweaked it a lot um so there are situations where like the decisions in decks that maybe i've made are ones that somebody else who's got a lot more reps on a certain deck might be making the better decision this is a situation where like there might not be very many recce decks out there in existence that have been played more times by their pilots than me um (laughs) so i i genuinely feel like when i say a card is good in this deck maybe i have a better idea of the card being good in that deck than people just because. I've played this commander a ton and most people haven't.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, certainly, uh, I'll, I will defer to your expertise in, in this matter, um, especially because it keeps stomping me every time that you play it. <laughs> so,
2: Well, like, like an example, you know, Sashi, daughter of Sashiro, doesn't look like a very good legendary creature, um, except for Reki just happens to be uh, a shaman. So oh. he's not something I attack with anyway. and lets me tap him for two mana and then sashi taps for two mana as well so like it's a four mana swing and it draws me a card i think like if you're not running that it's probably because people don't realize the utility it adds to the commander that you have sitting there that's not attacking anyway
0: dana i, I just got to say all of that sounds honestly that just sounds kind of nasty um and in fact it's so nasty that i'm just going to move on we're gonna we're gonna uh, change now to talk about matt matt tell us about what, what's up next on your docket <laughs>
1: um well so since you got to talk about a uh what was it a not a crimson vow but the uh, midnight hunt pre-con commander i'm gonna talk about one too uh because i got <laughs> one i'm very excited about and that's Kyler the guardian emissary um that oh That deck just, like, all of my heartstrings, all those little Timmy tendencies (laughs) that I have, like, that's Mm -hmm. what this deck does. Just turn things sideways and just stomp. Just literally stomp. Uh, I I love this so much. Um, But it turns out, like, it's actually not terribly unique from what the people are kind of changing the precon from, um, I still have 61 shared cards, um, mm-hmm. so it leaves 39 that are unique to uh, to my brew specifically. So I am playing a bunch of cards like uh, Heron's Grace Champion. Uh, that card is still very very good, very impactful. Uh, Call the Copper Coats. That card is able to generate so many tokens, which are just instantly huge because Kyler makes the rest of my Team huge, um, so every time one of those uh, creature tokens are coming into play from Call the Coppercoats, they're buffing Kyler, which in turn buffs the tokens, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful cycle. Um, and then like Champion of Lamholt, I forget that card exists, but then I get to play it, and it does so much work, and I'm so glad they yeah. threw it in the precon because like it's not an expensive card; it's like a dollar maybe, but it does more than more than twenty dollars worth of work because it's just so impactful in this deck.
0: That Yeah, that one's absolutely sick. So what are some cards that you're definitely choosing not to use that a lot of Kyler players are using, and then cards that you have made a bit more unique to your deck then? So a lot of the, the pre-con effects are still kind of
1: lingering on the deck so far. So like, there's cards like Citadel Siege. Um, there are, There's a little bit of like kind of a plus one, plus one counter type of theme with the pre-constructed deck, because Kyler wasn't even the face uh, commander that was at the head of the deck. So there's... Mm-hmm. There's still, you're seeing a lot of the effects from the pre-constructed deck just out of the box. Um, Herald of War is one of those. There's some angels, like both of the Sigardas also came, or both the older versions of the Sigarda, the green-white Legendary Angel. Not the new one from Midnight Hunt, but the older versions. Um, I don't have either of those in there. Um, Champion of the Parish is, like, fine, but I don't choose to play it. Uh, it's, it gets very big. I, I agree. But um, I think something like Thali's Lieutenant is just a little bit better for one more mana. Uh, because if you play Champion of the Parish early, it's great. But it's kind of like exploration. If you top deck it later on, it's not very good. Um, so I would just try to minimize those types of cards. But as far as mm-hmm. unique cards... Um, Safi, Eric's daughter, is one of my favorite cards. Like, I've played that card in legacy tournaments. I've played it in modern tournaments. It's just, it's one of my favorite cards. It's, it's great utility. It's a human, so it continues to feed Kyler. Um, oh, yeah. But I, I have a couple combos built in there. So if you look at the deck, folks, um, you'll see Renegade Rallyer in there. Um, those are just best friends. So if you have a Sack outlet, you can just loop those together by sacrificing Safi to bring the uh, Renegade Rallyer back. So when you sacrifice Renegade Rallyer to something like, say, a Black, Casting station, you can deal one damage and sacrifice Renegade Rallyer. Well, it'll come back because you sacrifice Safi to it. But then when Renegade Rallyer comes back, you get that rally trigger to bring Safi Eric's daughter, right back. So you have everything back on the battlefield and you can just lie there, rinse, repeat. It's super fun. Um, it's really fun playing it in modern. Uh, no lie. Yeah. I played against a Soul Sisters deck who thought they were safe, and they were not. <laughs> but yeah, and then there's some other cards that I really do like. Uh, Repel the Abominable is just a such a good, good fog effect. Um, that's,
0: that's, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like, I'm, I'm astonished that Repel the Abominable is unique to your list, and that it's not in the average data for Kyler. I, I don't get it. Like, what? That's a, it's a human, one-sided fog. Preach. Like, preach, brother.
1: That, that card is so good. Like right, As like, good as Arachno Genesis is, like, Repel the Abominable is like that type of card. Um, maybe not as nuts, but man, it's it's really, really good. It's tribal, so it can save your team. Um, say somebody else has a humans deck, like you can save their team and, and really swing through. Like it's it's very, very good. Um, and then another card that is unique somehow still to my list, but most players aren't playing it yet, Slippery Bogbonder. That was a challenge of stats a few weeks yeah. ago. That was the first card I instantly realized, like, holy cow, this is kind of nuts. Uh, so Slippery Bogbonder, folks, put that into your decks.
0: Really good. Puts a whole bunch of those counters onto Kyler, protects it, buffs it up. Really, really great stuff going on there for sure. Uh, We are well into the episode now, and we've established some of our, you know, on the lesser side of unique. And we have a a base understanding of some of our more mainstream things, which I think means that in the second half of the show, now we're going to crank it up to what are our, in fact, most unique. Now that we know the most mainstream, let's contrast it for the second part of the show. So that is something that we can look forward to. Once we get there, which we will do after we pause real quick for challenging the stats because there's so much data on EDA track, but we don't always agree with it. Sometimes we think the cards see too much or too little play, so we love to challenge the stats here. Well, this
1: is where we challenge the stats, so this is also where we plug Altersleeves.com slash EDH Retcast. <laughs> um, it's a great way to get some fancy new art say you want to play around with some different alters, but you don't want folks marking up the actual cards that you have. sleeves just gets around that, uh, they print the art directly onto that inner sleeve, which goes over and inside your regular sleeve, so you get to protect your cards by double sleeving as well get some fancy new art. And if you go to altersleeves.com slash EDH reccast, you can support the show that way as well. So we definitely appreciate it. But also like your friends are going to appreciate finding some pretty cool stuff. So altersleeves.com sponsoring Challenge of Stats, head over there and get some cool stuff, even our handsome faces.
0: Alrighty, I'm going to start off the challenging the stats this week. My challenge here is for Ozgir the Reconstructor. Ozgir is, of course, the Lorehold Commander, really super popular. There is a mana rock, though, that I don't think Ozgir players are making enough, enough use out of, and that's the three-mana rock called Power Stone Shard. It is just a simple three-mana artifact that taps for a Cuddleless, but the thing is it taps for a Cuddleless for each artifact you control that is named Powerstone Shard. So if you have two of them, each of them taps for two. And Ozgear loves to make copies of your artifacts by exiling them from the graveyard and then creating two tokens of those things. So using Ozgear's ability, this immediately becomes a thing that you can cast from the graveyard for three total mana that then will tap for four mana. And since Ozgear decks also like to make use of cards like Anointed Procession, which double up the amount of tokens that Ozgear will be making, you could end up with four Power Stone shards that each then tap for four mana. This is a really nutty artifact that you can make a bunch of copies of in this really cool artifact Back to deck only 64 total os decks are using it though and so i just think if you want some really interesting mana rock stuff power stone shard is a really cool underplayed place to look dana what is your challenge
2: um, my challenge is for the card bludgeon brawl um, it is an enchantment from way back in the um <coughs> new phyrexian block uh two in a red and it says each non-creature non-equipment artifact is an Equipment with Equip X, um, and Equipped Creature gets plus X plus O, where X is that Artifact's converted mana cost. I I am challenging stats on this in basically any Boros equipment deck that has Arden, particularly in the Command Zone where you can equip things for free. Just dropping a Bludgeon Brawl in a color combination where your only ramp options are Mana Rocks or things like uh, Archeomancer's Map. And then being able to equip all of those mana rocks when you go to kill somebody or, or do that lethal swing. I mean, it, it's going to be a three mana give target creature plus, you know, 10 plus O or plus 12 plus O or plus 16 plus O, depending on what you have out for for artifacts and mana rocks and things of that nature. It's just a kill condition in a deck where you can equip that stuff for free, then I have to pay the mana cost. So, um, bludgeon brawl in in boros equipment decks particularly or, or basically any equipment deck where you can run it where you have arden in the command zone so you can equip stuff for no cost bludgeon brawl should see more play
0: that is pretty nifty and dangerous and i don't want to think of dana that's also nasty matt let's move back to you now
1: <laughs> oh no i'm just going to tell you that bludgeon brawl is very good so i i, I like this <laughs> pick um, cool. but my pick this week actually comes from one of our listeners um so uh in our Discord, which you can join at patreon.com. slash Um uh, listener Noi 620 had a really good challenge that I think is actually pretty nifty. Um, so they said, I want to make a challenge for Extus Auric Overlord decks, specifically decks that focus on the backside. Awaken the Blood Avatar. The card that I want to challenge is Girid's Belligerence, which only sees play in 10% of decks. I think it's a great card for finishing the game since it can populate the Blood Avatar tokens, which come into play with haste and are not legendary. Um, Ooh. This is a really good interaction. So Geard's Belligerence is X red red for a sorcery that says Geard's Belligerence deals X damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. And then whenever a creature dealt damage this way dies this turn, you populate, which is you create a copy of a creature token that you control. And Awaken the Blood Avatar is the backside of that exodus from Strixhaven legend, um, where those blood avatars are 3 6 Um, with haste then whenever that creature attacks it deals three damage to each opponent so you're able to make a lot of tokens very quickly Um, so if you're able to use Geert's belligerence to populate you're just going to turn all of those things sideways all of those blood avatars and man that's that's going to add up very very quickly so I really like this challenge Um, only 10% of decks so Noi 620 uh, this is a very good catch kind of a low play but yeah I, I like
0: this That's really, really cool. I really like that interaction. And I forgot that those tokens aren't legendary. But yeah, they're going to be uh, very, very nasty when you can populate them a bunch of times. That's really cool. All right, so we established a few of our slightly more mainstream decks earlier. So now I think it's time that we discuss our more and more and more unique decks. And looking over my own roster, I'll start here personally. You know, I mentioned I had a tribal deck. And so that's certainly very, you know, going to be a bit more, um, you know, on the rails A little bit maybe feeling a lot of the similarities there i also have a titania deck which is a sort of landfall deck and there's a lot of shared commonalities there too i've got like 63 cards in common with the average deck from my titania deck but i want to move up all the way to my conrad deck because uh, he's my boy i just absolutely love him and conrad i am getting slightly more unique here because i have a total of 43 cards in common with the conrad uh data that we see there and 57 cards that are more unique to my build so i'm still using the stuff like mesmer Orb that mills people so that Conrad can deal damage. I'm using stuff like Living Death, which is the best thing that everyone should be playing. and all the creatures back from the graveyard is so good. But I, I certainly am also finding, you know, little things here and there in the average deck data that I am moving slightly away from. A lot of players are using like Songs of the Damned and Mausoleum secrets that get better if your graveyard's are real big, and that's not what I want. I just want to pull stuff out of the graveyard. So I'm bringing all of this up to say that basically, I'm playing more Reanimator stuff, like Wake the Dead, for example, because it's just so much fun. Reanimator is so good, and I love it when Reanimator can be slightly more unique than what we usually see in an average deck.
1: Well, Joey, for, for all of us non-necromancers out there, why don't you explain to us what Wake the Dead even does? Because I'm not sure. The listeners may not know. I obviously know, because I am very much necromancers myself. Mm. Uh, so explain mm-hmm.
0: for the listeners. That's who okay. that's who we're, we're talking about. Yeah, Wake the Dead is an X spell that also costs uh, two additional black mana, so you can then pull X creatures out of your graveyard during an opponent's combat step. But, like, they don't have to be attacking you. It can just be during the combat step as they move through it. And it pulls all of the creatures that you target with the spell out of the graveyard for just one turn and then you sacrifice them. So Conrad loves that because he sees them leave the graveyard, does a bunch of damage, and then the creatures will have entered the battlefield effects most likely, which will probably deal a whole bunch more damage, and then they will be sacrificed at the end, and then that will deal even more damage with Conrad. It's so good. Like, this card's so great. And so a bunch of little touches here and there. Another one that I really like is Balthor the Defiled, a creature that also pulls creatures back out of the graveyard, and just finding even more of those specialty things makes Conrad feel so much... just, oh, just so so vibrant and fun for me and so i like finding those unique things and uh, just i can't recommend them enough it's just oh they're so dang
2: good well conrad's a commander that i would think would have lent himself to having more shared cards in the deck than we really have here um i think this might be an example of a situation where this deck is one that you love so much that you've <laughs> really maybe gone that extra mile um, to find cards that the maybe average person who, you know, just builds a deck and like maybe isn't into it the way you are, Joey, wouldn't dig around and find.
0: I'm trying to find out whether that was a read, whether you're throwing (laughs) a little shade there, but I don't. I don't think you were. But but like yeah, there's also I I will admit some here. Some of the unique cards, like I am also playing Tombstone Stairwell in in this deck, which I was fortunate enough to get back when it was a four or three dollar card, and now it is like a forty or thirty dollar card. So there's also those, and Tombstone Stairwell is just amazing. Makes a bunch of tokens and kills them. Conrad sees a whole bunch of death happen when that card is in play. Like seriously, love it so much. Definitely one of my pet cards, but it is also an expensive pet card at this point too. So there is like some of this uniqueness factor kind of comes as a result of that but there's still plenty of so many other things that you can do with this commander that it's just so much fun to make it your own
2: yeah i mean you you, you can even make it to the own your own to the point where you can get an ultra sleeve with joey's face on the card if that's <laughs> if you want to make it your own to that level <laughs> highly recommend
0: i think it's very very chic
1: <laughs> well hey, how about this how about we change the topic
0: joey asked me about a deck any deck, pick a deck. Uh, 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 I, Matt, I am asking you about a deck. The, okay, well, thank have... you, thank you for, for that.
2: <laughs> yes, a perfect segue doesn't exist. Uh, <laughs> there we go.
1: Well, let me, let, okay. let me tell you about a deck. Um, okay, it's a, it's my deck. It's my Alila of Artful Artful Provocateur deck. Um, okay. let's talk about that because that's a deck that isn't Reanimator, um, but I know about Uh-oh. it. Um, so yeah, my Alila deck actually has been a lot of fun, and this is one um, I was actually surprised that it shared so much with a, a typical deck um, because I tried to intentionally give it like a fair, like I tried to pull a Dana here, put a theme on it, while also like synergizing well. I made it my historic tribal deck, um, so I'm still able to cast a lot of uh, artifacts, but also like Sagas happen to be enchantments, but also trigger Alila. So I was hoping that it'd be a little more unique, but it is one more unique on the scoreboard than Joey's Conrad deck, so point for Matthew. Ah. <laughs> um, so this okay. one has 42 shared cards, 58 unique cards to my Alila deck versus the EDH rec stats. Uh, so I am still playing some cards like All That Glitters uh, because that card's just very powerful if you have a lot of artifacts and enchantments on the battlefield, uh, Dance of the Mance. That card is so wild, so fun to play. It's just a great finisher. <laughs> Pretty Um, cool. Super cool. And then like stuff like Anointed Procession because who doesn't want to be making double the tokens whenever you cast cast any of those things and
2: trigger Alila's ability. So of the unique cards to this deck, Matt, which one do you think is is your favorite addition?
1: Um, So Rise and Shine is a newer card from uh, Modern Horizons 2. That card is so good. (laughs) That card just (laughs) blows me away every single time people get to cast it. Like, it's fine if you cast it normally, but if you cast it for its overload cost with, like, a bunch of treasure tokens, you
0: just win the game. Like, it's an overrun. It's an overrun in blue. That's all it is. Um, Right, because it animates them, makes them all huge, makes makes all of your random artifact tokens just lethal. I love that thing.
1: It's so good. Um, I really like it. One card that I don't see many people playing that I really actually love a lot is Morbid Curiosity. Um, That one is a sorcery for one black black. Um, You can sacrifice an an artifact or a creature, and then you draw cards equal to the CMC or the the mana value. Excuse me, the mana value Mm -hmm. of -hmm. that thing Mm -hmm. that you Mm -hmm. sacrifice. Uh, that's very good. And when you're playing some cards like Spine of Ishsa, um, I talk about it in my Vaivictus deck, actually, which preview of things to come. Um, sacrificing uh-huh. an Ugin's Nexus to Morbid Curiosity is <laughs> very powerful, folks. But yeah, Morbid, Curi- Morbid Curiosity is, is kind of like my Knight's Whisper. Like, it's just so good. People don't play it enough. And it, uh, I, I love that card
0: sacrifice an ugin's nexus to draw a bunch of cards and take an extra turn like it's it's savage when that happens mm-hmm. man that's mm, that's that's really good okay so y- you've one to me with the alila being more unique than my conrad but dana let's get to you now what are some of your more unique ends of, of your deck
2: spectrum um you know looking at the, the more unique ends here one i will jump to is um a relatively new deck um tavash gloom summoner Um, So Tabash is a commander um, where at the end of the turn, you can pay X life, which X is the amount of life you gained that turn and put an Mm -hmm. XX flying demon token in play. So the the more life you gained, the the, the larger the demon is, but you do lose the life. So it's a life gain deck, but unlike most life gain decks, you are very much encouraged to not keep the life that you gained, um, which is a very interesting balance I found in playing that deck you really do want to spend those resources, which keeps you precariously low in a way that most life gain decks are absolutely not.
0: Mm. <laughs>
2: I, I can see that. But also like
0: if you slam out a whip of Erebos and giz, give all of those demons that Tavash is creating, if you give them lifelink, you can you get even bigger demons and like I feel like you're able to mitigate that problem pretty
2: darn well in that deck. You can um pretty easily and and the I think the reason this particular deck has a relatively high uniqueness score, um, so I'm looking at 33 shared cards and 67 unique cards. Oh, what? Um, is I think generally speaking, people just build this deck with a bunch of creatures with lifelink. That's probably kind of the basic go-to um, when you're looking at the things that I'm not using. There's things like Nighthawk Scavenger or Ayara that actually gains you life baked into the creature. So I think that's the general route people are going here. And when you look at the, the unique cards to my version, I have things like Drain Life and Suffer the Past, um, Damble Pact. Those are all kind of X spells that that do damage to somebody in, in most cases also gain life. And, and the reason that is, is this is kind of a big X black mana deck where mm. it's focused on making a ton of mana and then dumping that into these X spells that oftentimes gain me life. Um, I, I used the deck this week um, at my shop in a game where I was able to hit someone with a drain life for, I think 28. And it, right and then make that 28 28 20 demon that the last player left alive couldn't deal with by the time the turn came back around and I was able you know swing in with 28 28 demon and that was the the <laughs> end of the end of him um yeah. so so I think that's where the deck goes it goes very differently than the average build is'm I'm, I'm casting those big X damage spells like drain life in the, in a way that other decks are not doing it
0: dang Th- so 33 is that your most unique deck according like the most separation from the average deck data
2: it is tied with my um crush the <laughs> blood braided uh fling deck they're, they're both at 33 um shared cards and 67 unique cards
0: well, and, and there that explains it right there why there would be a, a huge departure is because you were going a very specific direction with that yes. deck because you've made it fling themed. So there immediately is a whole bunch of unique stuff that you're doing, your flings and your thuds <laughs> that also just sacrifice creature, throw it at someone and do a bunch of damage. So yeah, that's immediately that theme is immediately going to move stuff away. Thirty-three, Dana. You have me beat, which isn't a surprise, but I am still sad about it. Because uh, w- when I look at mine, my most unique, I also have a tie, but they're tied at a shared of 38. My Mimeoplasm deck and my Virtus and Gorm deck both have 38 cards in common with the average deck build that we see for those commanders. Uh, so so you just got there, man. And so I'm
1: the champion,
2: and it. we can just wrap it up here with me being uh, the number one.
1: <laughs> I, I i just want to point out that I have joy beat. Um, so I have my Miri deck with 37 shared cards. Oh, nice! You're welcome. But also, Dana, I have you beat with my Vevix deck that has 32 cards shared with the EDH Rex stats. So uh, be,
2: right, be right back. I'm gonna make some changes here. Just give that's, me one. Minute, two. Go
1: go try. That's fine. Uh, but my Vevix deck, like like I mentioned, it, it it's. Oh. There's there's Ugin's Nexus, which apparently nobody's playing, which I think is just uh, oh yeah, just a sad day all around. Like that you can sacrifice that to Vevixis ability, take an extra turn. It's real good. Um, sneak attack. I mean, if you're playing big creatures, play sneak attack. Like I know it's not a, a super cheap card anymore, but like oh that's so good. And then Hellkite courser just being able to cheat vevictus into play. Man, there's there's some very unique cards you can be playing with Vevixis, and I. The, the, the curve starts at four da- deck um, is really
0: a really a fun time. Well, so let's examine those a little bit more because you just mentioned there that your Evictus deck is very sneak attack themed. I think yes. you're even using stuff like Sundial of the Infinite. To, I am. you know, When you use those sneak attacks to put a thing into play and it would be sacrificed at the end of turn, then Sundial of the Infinite can respond to that sacrifice at the end of turn trigger mm-hmm. and keep those things in play. So you've got a bunch of those going on and that is a specific theme that you've attached to that deck to give it a different direction to go. And looking at my own stuff here as well, like the Mimiplasm I mentioned, weirdly, the the actual average deck data for the Mimiplasm is a ooze tribal deck and that is not the direction that i wanted to go mimeo is an ooze but a whole bunch of oozes are zeros, zero, so i wasn't really interested in using them for mimeoplasm because they wouldn't give them a whole bunch of plus one counters so i've gone with a more you know i'll turn mimeoplasm into a weird creature like joda's avenger that can give itself shadow and then also put 13 plus one counters on it off of a death shadow that was in my graveyard and that's more the direction that i've gone and so just a a big thing there to point out is just like how much personalized theme can really make a huge impact on these uniqueness directions.
1: Yeah, just adding one important card. um, I know Dana has mentioned several times throughout the history of this podcast how he'll change one card and then he'll notice like it causes ripple effects throughout the rest of the deck. I think our, our unique decks that we're talking about here, all of them have had those ripple effects, whether it's I made Vavictus a sneak attack type of deck. So my curve went up. I started playing a bunch of unique things. But then also, like, what do I want to be sacrificing? And that's where cards like Ugin's Nexus came into play. So (laughs) deciding on a theme and, like, making one change can have... There, it's very much felt throughout all of these decks that we're talking about.
0: Yeah, and and even going through other examples of my decks, and these are, you know, going backwards a little bit, going back to the more mainstream, but like I have Reihan and Ishai, which is a really fun plus one counters deck, but the deck data that we usually see on EDHREC for that one is a bit more go wide with stuff like uh, Cathar's Crusade, and in my deck, I'm going a lot more go tall, and so that is also a difference in direction that you can find there, and... I'm just honestly, I I don't know, Matt, I'm just very, I'm I'm surprised that you managed to get a deck that has more uniqueness, more cards to it than Dana's. You had the 32 and he had the 33 in common. So, you know, technically you are kind of winning there. But at the same time, Dana still has those decks where like only 100 people have built them. And so I still think that Dana's kind of winning a little bit in spirit, Uh, right? In
1: spirit, (laughs) but I I have the hipster chops and I have the numbers (laughs) to prove it. So here on the Idiot cast,
2: we're all winners.
0: No, no, but okay, like, you, you say that all corny, but I think it's true, actually, because the, like, having a more unique deck is not like a you've won a battle. (laughs) Right. It's just like, it's interesting to find out the reasons why we've gone in different directions with these here. But like a more unique deck is not a better deck and a more mainstream deck is not less fun. And it's also not even less yours. If you just want to get a quick, you know, deck that feels, you know, it's just like, here's something really quick, easy to, to, to get. And then you can personalize it a little bit later on if you want to, just like playing the stuff that is easy to get to so that you can just sit down and get gaming is also just a really good thing to do. And it's still yours because of the way that you choose to play it, not just because of the cards in it.
2: Yeah, I mean, some people just don't enjoy brewing. They just want to find a list that's fun to play and play it. And if you are someone who doesn't enjoy that aspect of the game, that's completely valid. Like, just because your deck looks like someone else's, that isn't a bad thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I w- I've been preaching just play play to what you like. Like, if you don't like playing a certain card it doesn't matter if it's the correct card like we're playing commander this is the format for (laughs) playing what you want um playing what you like like yes there there is always going to be a best thing but like if you don't want to be the doing the best thing then don't like that's literally up all of my cards all of my decks just a pile of those things that i like and like i play the game how i want like if you watch Uh twitch.tv slash edh reccast wednesday evenings (laughs) you know it's like sometimes like i might be doing something different like than Joey and Dana, but like, that's fine. Like, I still am doing what I like to do. And if I happen to steal a game at one life, then like, so be it. But like, otherwise, <laughs> like we're, we're all having fun. That's like the whole point of this game.
0: And, and also like another thing that we noted earlier uh, is that like one of the directions that I'm choosing not to go with one of my decks is that I'm not using any of the combos that show up on that things page even though that is like the more powerful thing to do i wasn't using the infinite combos for that zombie deck dana in your tivash deck you've got life gain going on there and i'm pretty sure that you're not running the sanguine bond and exquisite blood combo which would infinitely just gain you life drain other people life just as soon as just you know classic combo goes Mm -hmm. infinite and that is certainly showing up in the deck data for that life gain commander but it's not one that you're doing and so that is another way that you are able to like restrict yourself and make it a little bit more yours by avoiding what is technically the objectively powerful thing to do.
2: Yeah, it's just not something that's fun for me. If it's fun for you, by all means, go ahead and do it. Um, it's just not, like, an enjoyable way for me to win a game, so I'm not running it, and uh, it seems like a lot of people are, so that's one way that, that that deck further differentiates itself from the traditional kind of build.
0: Right, Dana, exactly, and, and it's also, again, not just down to the stuff in the deck, it's also, again, about the way that you play it. Recently, I, maybe I've told the story before, but I don't remember, so we're going to tell it again, recently uh, I was on a charity stream with uh, streamer Talia Vess and Garbage Andy, um, who, who was a great whole bunch of fun, we raised uh, money for Rain and for Trans Lifeline, it was super great and in the games that we played during this stream i was presented with the option to use my right of replication which would make five copies of something on a gray to of Asphodel, which would immediately win me the game or on a nyx bloom ancient which triples mana and i when presented with those options i was like let's let's make five copies of the nyx bloom ancient it's not the correct move but you know what it is it's the fun move that is awesome <laughs> like 243 times my mana if i have five copies of nyx bloom ancient Yes, that's awesome. So again, it's also down to the way that you play. It isn't like I don't know five copies of Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Been there, done that. But five copies of Nix Bloom Ancient. Those are the experiences I want in this game, you guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, and it, do things you can't do in other formats. It's, I think that's what all three of us really enjoy about Commander. And I mean, the the, the game's big enough to do whatever you want, but like that's just where the uh-huh. three of us land. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, play what you like. If you want to play <laughs> high power bump uglies, go for it. If you want to play chair tribal or whatever they they say the the, the <laughs> ladies looking left decks Have fun do your thing
0: Yeah, it's a great big format with room for a whole bunch of stuff, so it's cool to see where the uniqueness falls for your personal decks. This is a fun experiment. Thank you again to uh, Moxfield for having that cool feature that allows us to easily compare two deck lists, and listeners, I think that you should give it a shot, too, to see what are the most unique cards that you are playing, what are your most unique commanders, and especially what are your most fun commanders, because the stuff that is a bit more mainstream can still be just a whole bunch of fun, and the stuff that is more unique, you can find more personalization, and maybe those things will even shift over time, because... As Dana hinted at earlier, you know, that Zombie Tribal could, I could find more stuff in the future or not. Dana, I would love to see which of your decks become less hipster over time, even. That would be really fun to see. I mean, anything's possible. Anything's possible? So you're holding my hopes up. It's probably not going to
1: happen. Well, Dana, don't don't make any promises you can't keep. There, so <laughs> but well, one promise that we are going to keep. Um, we just want to let everybody know there will be no episode next week. Um, we are going to take a week off for the holidays um, because it, you know there's family out there. Um, so we want to encourage everyone to spend some time with the people that you love. Um, we're just going to take the the Christmas week off. We will have an episode New Year's Eve coming out, so we'll have one more episode for the the year 2021, the year that it was. Uh, but yeah, there will be no episode next week. I'm um, just going to take a little time off. So. Yeah, look forward to that, um, Joey. Why don't you uh, why don't you take us out now?
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. What a, a uh, completely smooth another smooth segue. Uh, just a generous
1: <laughs> offer for you to do the outro as one does. I'm a man okay, of yeah. I, I, I'm a man of tradition. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right, listeners, we will see you in two weeks, and let's call this episode. To a close, guys, if our listeners want to get in touch with us, where is it that they can find us? Matt, smooth segue to you now.
1: Matt, the smooth segue, Morgan. Um, you can find <laughs> me on the Twitters, at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings, we are still streaming over at twitch.tv slash Um, We have guests on every single week. Um, the guests, see, like, every single time we have like somebody new that like I haven't gotten to play with, we just have such a great time, so make sure you tune in for all those because like, the guests are always having a super good time, we're having a good time, um, chat's having a good time, so make sure you tune in.
0: It is awesome. And Dana, now a smooth segue to you, sir.
2: Um, you can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach. You can hear me on the other podcasts, CMDR Central. I am writing articles for EDH Rec and for Commanders Herald, and you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash
0: And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDH Recast on Facebook and on Twitter as well. Plus, if you've got a question for us, you can contact us at edhreccast at gmail.com Our thanks go out once again to the whole team at the Command Zone for handling the post-production work on the podcast, and we want to thank our sponsors, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. Plus, you can visit altersleeves.com slash edhreccast for cool custom EDH Rec sleeves. Who knows, they might even make for a good holiday gift. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Listeners, we will be back at you in two weeks with more data and insights, but until then, remember, EDH wreck your deck before you wreck your deck.